This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Welcome to the technical track. If you haven't heard from me before, my name is Dan Hughley. I work for a company called Focusrite. We make audio interfaces for recording any type of content. Well, thank you. Someone's heard of us. Uh, we have a brand new interface called Vocaster. It's made specifically for storytelling and for podcasting and spoken word. So please, if you haven't had a chance, come down to the booth and check it out. Uh, a lot of the seats should have a card that looks like this. Uh, it has two sides on it. Uh, enter to win is on one side, so you can enter to win a, a, Vo a Vocaster One Studio. Or if you want to buy one and, you know, if you have bad luck and you know it, go ahead and scan uh, the code on that side. You get 10% off. Uh, and not to take in, take up too much time here, I want to introduce you to our next presenters. The Sound of Story, and I wanted to say the story of sound, and I'm sure they, they knew I wanted to say that. We have Ramtin, Ara I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just gonna go with first names, I'm sorry. So I'm respectful and I say the names correctly. We have Ramtin and we have Rund, and they're gonna tell you about the Sound of Story. Welcome them to the stage. Last okay, is that working? No Hello. problem. Can you all hear us? It's always hard to know if the mics are on, but they are. I can now hear myself. Yeah. Uh, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> and don't worry about the names. It's like super common. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce myself properly, I guess. I'm Ramtin Adablui. I'm a co-host and co-producer of Throughline, um, a podcast from NPR. And I'm Rand Abdel Fattah, and I'm the other co-host and um, one of the producers on the show. Um, so welcome, thank you so much for coming to this breakout session and um, we're excited, oh, you know, seeing some familiar faces is, is always really nice um, about these conferences. Um, but for those of you who don't know um, much about us or the show, um, we thought we would start off by just giving you a quick sort of um, background on who we are um, and how we kind of landed where we're at. Um, so. We've both been at NPR for um, a number of years now. Uh, before Throughline, um, we were both producers, sound designers, um, and Ramtin also is a composer. Um, and we had been working on um, lots of other shows at NPR, helping to pilot and produce them. Um, so um, shows like uh, The Politics Podcast, um, Invisibilia, Code Switch, um, TED Radio Hour, How I Built This. So we really kind of got this um, crash course and um, production on all these other shows and also uh, the, some insight into the piloting process. And, um, you know, Ramtin and I kind of became fast friends um, when he got to NPR. I had been there for a few years and, you know, was looking for a spark of inspiration and it turned out it was Ramtin. <laughs> um, and we basically just started having conversations about, um, you know, history and the news and you know we're both the children of um, refugees um, and so we kind of had a lot of overlapping interests and at some point like delusionally early we were like wait what if we made a show <laughs> that tapped into all of these interests and we just started making it and because we are both like our first love is production um, and sound design, we were like, let's really create a show with those elements in mind. And um, the show very much is sort of like, almost like the production is the front and center part of the show. And we like to think of ourselves as the host as background 
uh, to all of that, to the story and to the production and sound. Um, and Throughline was really like a passion project, so we worked on piloting it for about two years, and we got the green light eventually, and uh, we learned to be hosts um, in the process, but really, I think we still consider ourselves like producers and then host second. And so to that end, we're here really to, I think, uh, the story, I mean, the title of our session, Story of Sound, we're really here to evangelize for the use of sound. And when we say sound, what we mean by that is sound design, music, all the other elements outside of just two people talking, which is obviously the centerpiece of most podcasts. Um, as Run said, our philosophy is to center and to put forward sound and the voices of people that aren't us, but also music and sound design and those other things. So really, we want to be here to give you, uh, the, the point of this session is really to give you some tips or our philosophies for why it's important to center sound in your storytelling and ways you can do it. So we really want this to, you, to take kind of practical takeaways from this. If you're a producer or you're you know, an executive director or executive producer or whatever your job is, some lessons from this. So we always start this though with a disclaimer, which I think is really important before we get going, which is uh, you know, Elvis Costello, the musician once said that writing about music is like dancing about architecture. And the idea of talking about music the way we're gonna do, there's no objective truth to any of this. It's very subjective. We can only share with you the lessons we've learned in making you know, this you know, now award-winning show over the last few years. Um, and that's, that, I just wanna start with that. So anything you take away from this, see more as like tips instead of like strict guidelines. Um, and you know, uh we're sort of making an argument for um, using more sound elements in podcasting. Um, our show sort of sits in this cross-section of journalism and entertainment, and um, I think we push the boundaries a little bit about um, what people uh, traditionally in kind of like the news world would consider appropriate um, in terms of like the use of sound. Um, and I think our argument is that there is a place for sound elements in pretty much any story that you're telling. And um, just to reiterate something that Ramtin just said, sound elements is everything from, you know, archival tape to sound design to music to silence, right? Like if selectively used, it can really be powerful. So. Um, so with that in mind, whether you are someone who has a talk show or a highly produced show or something in between, um, I think there's something in here hopefully for everybody. So with that, we'll just uh, quickly break down what we're gonna do and then we'll jump into it. Uh, first, we're gonna talk about the philosophy of the use of sound that we follow. So music and sound design, basically what, what, base, what overall arching philosophy we follow, then we're gonna share some lessons, and in the process, we're gonna play some um, samples or some examples from our show that like, illustrate those um, techniques. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about how you can apply all this to your work, and then we'll have time for questions. So we wanna leave plenty of time for questions because this is really a lot of fun to talk about. Um, so I'll just start with the first uh, philosophical point to keep in mind, and then we'll just go down the list. The first one is piggybacking off of what Run said, is to define what scoring or sound design means. And when I say define it, I mean define it for what your show is, or what, what you're making. Um, like Run said, music can be anything from musical notes to drones to even silence. 
and we call all of this, at least <laughs> it's, our, it's our term, we call it musicality. So there may be a certain musicality or rhythm or other kind of feel things we're gonna go over in a second in your piece and you have to define what that is for your show. So if you're doing a talk show, often the way it's cut together provides it musicality. What I mean by that is, here's an example. One of my favorite talk shows is Bodega Boys with Jesus and Miro. And I would argue that there is a musicality in their back and forth. And whoever's editing it or if they're doing any editing at all, just the very nature of their banter provides a kind of rhythm and a musicality. And it's beautiful and it's part of what makes it really fun to listen to, why I like it. And then the other extreme is like our show, which is scored and sound designed from top to bottom where there is actual real music and actual real sound design happening. So defining it for your show is the first thing you have to figure out. And three questions you can kind of ask yourself to start thinking about like what's the right um, kind of balance for you. Um, the first question is, you know, what purpose is it serving? Do you need it? Um, how is it interacting basically with all of the other elements of the show? So I think really thinking about it in the same way that we think about kind of the guests we have on a show or, uh, you know, the tape that you're, that you're um, choosing to tell, thinking about it in that way will help you, I think, determine its role in the show that you're making. And also another way to think about it is like each podcast or thing you're making is like a song. So if you were making a song, you have different elements, you have a rhythm section, you have a melody, all those other things. You have to think about sound fitting into the podcast in that way. And the next thing is um, the, you know, the basic most, uh, the next thing is sort of asking yourself this question of, um, we think all story happens in scenes. So if you're trying to tell some story, there's going to be scenes that pop up in your head, even if you're telling yourself a story about something that happened in the past. So you have to think about how music can serve that story or sound design can serve that story, how it can help you break your story into scenes. And one thing we suggest, it's we do it on the show, um, we storyboard like you would for like a TV show. I mean, we very literally like are boxing out, you know, like what is the scene? What's the emotion that we're also, so there's sort of an emotional heat map, um, which we learned from Invisibilia, just shout them out. But that was something that we kind of, you know, picked up on from them and we think it's really powerful. But thinking about sort of, you know, what is the top line story you're telling? What's the deeper story you're telling? And what's the emotion that you're sort of evoking in the listener? Um, and that I think will help you think about like, to Ramtin's point, sort of where this musicality element slots into that bigger kind of jigsaw puzzle. And so with that, that's our kind of overarching philosophy. I mean, I guess one last point before I move on is the other thing is you have to have fun while you're doing this. There has to be joy in, in, in the process of making a podcast in this way. Otherwise, it will show. If you, you know, we're up here talking about it like in terms of, you know, technical details and ideas and breaking it down. But ultimately, it's just, a, it's just an exercise in experimentation. And so you have to allow joy to kind of lead you in that. Well, joy and a little bit of pain. There's always a little like bit a of little pain. bit of yeah, pain. <laughs> but yeah. that's part of the experimental process. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I guess it's not really good unless you feel like you're going to die at the end yeah. of making it. Yeah, you got to uh, hit a lot. There's a lot of trial and error. I think that goes into finding the right musicality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's very true. So the, the four um, examples that we're going to share with you right now, the four kind of, uh, I'll tell you what they, the four are and then we'll go into each. The first is, the four key ideas or the four ways we do this is one, soundscapes, two, punctuation, three, rhythm, and fourth, emotional landscape. So do you want to start with soundscapes? Yeah. 
So the first one, soundscape, I mean, we all know what a landscape is, right? So if we're looking at a painting, right? You're kind of looking at the foreground, you're looking at the, in the distance, and you're kind of looking at the interaction of all of those things, right? And your eye might sort of focus in on one part of it at one point, and then sometimes you might zoom out and be like, taking in the whole thing, and then you know, you're kind of doing that zooming in and zooming out at various points. So the soundscape is doing a similar thing for your ear, right? Where it's kind of giving you the sort of big picture um, and at some points drawing you in to pay attention to certain things. Um, and so we wanted to play um, an example of basically a soundscape that takes you in, give, you know, uh, paints the scene for your ears, um, and makes you feel, you know, immersed in what's happening um, in that moment. Um, and so this example is from an episode that we did about um, Werner von Braun, who was a Nazi scientist um, who then was basically adopted by NASA in the U.S. and um, employed to help build up our space program here. Very controversial figure, of course. Um, and one of the things that we were thinking about, this is the open of the episode, we were thinking about how do we create a soundscape where you can kind of feel like you're inside a rocket launch um, and also kind of connect to this very kind of metaphysical experience that people have had throughout history of looking to the sky and imagining what it would be like to go there. So we overlaid basically a voiceover from Jules Verne's um, science fiction novel from the 1800s, you know, before this was a possibility, it was just an idea in people's minds, um, with an, the first actual space launch. Um, so, so you kind of are hearing some archival tape mixed with some voiceover, and then um, beautiful scoring from Ramtin that is just elevating and building the momentum along with the other elements. So we'll play that one. Okay, here we go. Inshallah, it works. We'll see. The moon rose above the horizon. Millions of hurrahs hailed her appearance as her pale beams shone gracefully in the clear heavens. One set regarded her disc as a polished mirror by means of which people could see each other from different points of the earth and interchange their thoughts. As for the Yankees, they had no other ambition than to take possession of this new continent of the sky and to plant upon the summit of its highest elevation the star-spangled banner of the United States of America. T-minus 90 seconds in counting. All systems are go. A terrible silence weighed upon the entire scene. Not a breath of wind upon the earth. Not a sound of breathing from the countless chests of the spectators. Their hearts seemed afraid to beat. T-minus 60 seconds and counting. At the 20th, there was a general shudder as it occurred to the minds of that vast assemblage that the bold travelers shut up within the projectile were also counting those terrible seconds. 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, no words can convey the slightest idea of the terrific sound. An immense spout of fire shot up from the bowels of the earth as from a crater. The earth heaved up and with great difficulty 
some few spectators obtained a momentary glimpse of the projectile victoriously cleaving the air in the midst of the fiery vapors. You're listening to Throughline from NPR. Fifty years since man landed and walked on the moon. Will we go back in time? The milestone that will stand in the big history of humanity. To understand the present. Um, so hopefully you kind of heard some of those different elements and that kind of feeling of the drama building and again that kind of layering. Um, like a song, like Ramtin was talking about, we really are thinking about how are each of these things, you know, interacting with each other. And for us, it's not an afterthought at all. Like we really build that scene um, with each of the elements in mind. And it's like equally important for us, that voiceover is equally important as the archival tape, as the music, as the rumble. There's like a low grade rumble under a lot of it. Um, so we're really, thinking about how are they all interacting with each other and building up that soundscape that to hopefully, hopefully you felt like you can kind of really um, feel yourself being a little bit transported while listening. Um, and so then the, the second one is, um, the second concept is punctuation. Um, and we use that uh, literally like you would in a sentence or when you're writing where sound is used to punctuate particular ideas um, or use this a kind of way to um, end an idea or start a new one. So either you're emphasizing or you're kind of starting a beginning and end. And sound can be really useful in doing that. As Run said earlier, silence is a way of doing that. So the not having any sound there in and of itself is a way of using sound, but then also other elements. So the example we're gonna play for that is from an episode we did um, about the violence against um, women. Well, it's not about that act necessarily, but it's about the history of kind of the way the legal system in the U.S. has dealt with domestic violence. And we did it through talking about um, a play by Heidi Schreck, uh, what the Constitution means to me. Like we all went and saw it. And there's a particular concept in that episode called the penumbra, which is kind of the shaded air area between the light and the dark. And many Supreme Court justices, in this one case that they cited in the episode, the Supreme Court justice used that term to describe the kind of space between what the Constitution says and how it's applied to the law and to our lives. And it's a really interesting concept that we wanted to bring to life using a kind of ASMR slash guided meditation uh, opening, which is something a lot of people were probably into, I'm into. So what we did is basically build that at the top of the episode to make you feel what the penumbra is. And so that's what we're gonna play next. And if you could turn it up a little bit in the house. Uh, sound folks, uh, it'd be great. So hopefully this works. Oh, could you play the second one? I'm hitting it at one play. Thank you. Close your eyes. Imagine everything you are doing right now floats away. A 
all the things that stress you out, like money or being on time or the fight you had with your partner. Imagine all that is gone and you are in a completely empty room, sitting on a chair. Directly in front of you, maybe 10 feet away, is a singular dark orb floating. It is small, completely devoid of light. But from behind that orb, a faint flickering light begins to emerge. Slowly, bit by bit, the light surrounds the dark like a mini eclipse happening just for you in that room. A space of partial illumination as in an eclipse between the perfect shadow on all sides and the full light. Look closely at the space between complete darkness and full light. See the shadowy gradients between something and nothing. A surrounding or adjoining region in which something exists in the lesser degree. That zone of partial illumination is like the space between us. It is a penumbra. And for some of us, it may feel like freedom, where many things are possible. And for others, it can feel like an unstable, rumbling, and shaking earth. So yeah, the, the idea there was to use sound as a way to punctuate these more abstract ideas and bring them to life. So the punctuation is kind of where you hear sound either before or after. And one of, you know, I think actually we'll talk about the next one, the philosophy of sound before. But that, that's the, that was the basic idea. Yeah, and so punctuation's like cousin is rhythm, which is our next um, key idea. Um, the thing about rhythm is like punctuation is kind of a tool in the bigger rhythm, rhythmic sort of, you know, melody of something. So like you were saying before, something can have rhythm without having, you know, musicality necessarily because the way we write right, informs rhythm, um, the way that we're incorporating guest tape. So I think the rhythm starts there um, and then everything else is sort of building and um, whether it's to complement or to contrast the rhythm that's coming from, um, from the writing itself. So in this next example, it's from our first episode in our Afghanistan series. And we were trying to set up a sort of like you know, hearkening back to a legend of old, but in, in you know, ancient Afghanistan. And um, it comes from what is basically the equivalent of like the Iliad or um, the Odyssey. It's called the Shahnameh. And, um, and basically it's the story of a father and son, Sohra bin Rustam, who uh, don't realize that they're father and son and they meet on the battlefield um, on opposite sides of a conflict and uh, you know it's it's a tragedy. So I think we can all 
you know, we know how it'll end, but when we were trying to convey the story, it's an epic, right? Um, that's what they call them in, you know, Western culture. So we were like, well, this is an epic of, you know, um, Afghanistan, and we wanted to bring that same kind of rhythm of what we would imagine an epic kind of sounding like, that sort of, it's, it's almost like, from the writing, it's kind of a, has a poetic, melodic quality um, to then the way that we wanted to sound design and um, score it. So, um, so we'll play it, and then we can talk about it a little bit. Please. Give ear unto the combat of Sohrab against Rastam. Which brings us back to perhaps the saddest tale of the Shahnama. A tale replete with tears. By now, Suhrab is a grown man, and all he knows of his father is his name, Rustam, never having laid eyes on him. On the eve of a great battle, they sit in tents on different sides of the field. Suhrab has a growing suspicion that his father, the great warrior Rustam, is on the other side. And hoping to at last meet him, Suhrab crosses into enemy territory and demands to meet Rustam. Rustam's men refuse to let him pass, so Suhrab then challenges the Shah, the King of Kings, to meet him in battle. None answer the challenge, except one, Rustam. He comes charging in and begins to fight Suhrab, neither realizing that the blood they seek to spill is the same blood coursing through their own veins. And then, a fatal blow. Rustam stabs Suhrab. And as he lays dying, Suhrab cries out, My father would draw thee forth from thy hiding place and avenge my death upon thee when he shall learn that the earth has become my bed. For my father is Rustam. When Rustam hears these words, his sword falls from his hands. And there broke from his heart a groan as of one whose heart was racked with anguish. And the earth became dark before his eyes, and he sank down lifeless beside his son. And he said, Bearest thou about thee a token of Rostam, that I may know that the words which thou speakest are true? And as he takes his final breaths, Suhrab pulls back his armor and reveals the jewel Rostam had left him all those years ago. So one of the things, uh, just to point out, and it really, it's, it's happening in each of the examples we played, but one just kind of like quick tip that I think generally applies is you generally wanna hear sounds before you hear the words describing the sounds. So it's a very basic thing, but it's amazing how much of a difference it can make. And also to not always be so literal. So there's a moment in there where, um, where like the narration is, the sword fell from his hands. But instead of hearing like the clanging of a sword, you're kind of hearing something happening in the music that like catches your attention, but it's not a sword, right? So I think those two things, while basic, are I think very good principles just to keep in mind that like, I mean, we so we work in Pro Tools and we try to muddy things up as like, 
you know, like if there's the sound of an owl, we're like, let's not make it too clean. Because again, you don't want it to stick out so much, you want it to feel like it's blending in. So when we think about plug-in work, which obviously is a whole, like without getting into all the technical stuff, but we really are thinking about like using plugins to help the, um, basically the sounds feel like they're part of the texture of the rest of the, of the episode. Um, and like EQ is our probably number one best friend in terms of that, but there's lots of other plugins that we use. But I would yeah, just say you can do a lot with EQ. real nerdy about this quick. Yeah. <laughs> super into this. Into um, but yeah, no, I, and, and the sound before word thing, I think ultimately feeds into another piece of this, which is that this is ultimately entertainment, no matter what you're doing. Um, you're trying to keep people's attention and you know keep them listening for a certain amount of time. And so if you're doing news or a talk show or a fictional podcast, in the end, you're trying to entertain people for a certain amount of time. And the idea of hearing sound before words creates a kind of unpredictability. Like if you really like jazz, the reason why jazz music works is because not because of the like beautiful melodies, but of the dissonance in some of the notes. That little kind of um, irregularity or idiosyncrasy is what makes something interesting. And so that's why putting sound before words does that. If you hear someone say something and then you hear the sound right after, so if I'm like, I don't know, one, that's a great example. If you hear the sword and then you just hear the sword after, that's totally predictable. And if you keep hearing that over the course of an hour of listening to a podcast, you just get bored and you'll just listen to another podcast. So that's, that's another thing to keep in mind is idiosyncrasy and unpredictability. Okay, the last example, and then we will do questions. Uh, our last concept is emotional uh, soundscape. The difference between this is a very controversial one, at least in the like, news business, which is where we're situated, um, which is like how much of an emotional manipulation are you willing, how far are you willing to go to create an emotional landscape? And I say manipulation not lightly. I don't mean that to say like you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, trick someone, but it's more about when you're telling an emotional story, if you're distant and stilted, is that... Is that, is that the correct thing to do too? I mean, it's very controversial in our world, but we believe that um, creating an emotional sense, soundscape is something you can do with music and sound design, and it's really important. And it's a line, a very subjective line that we could talk about, but ultimately when you can do it well, um, it does create a heightened, better listening experience and also essentially um, serves as empathy propaganda to create an empathetic connection with the story that you're hearing. So the last example we're going to play is, this, is an episode we did that was non, almost completely non-narrated that brought to life the stories of people from the Great Depression, including some of one of them, which was a, one of our team members, grandfather. Um, and so you're going to hear a little bit of that. And you're going to hear this, the writings of Meridel Lassour, who was a writer during the Great Depression, talk about the situation of women at the time. The point of this episode was to create empathy. This was during the height of the pandemic's economic impacts, where a lot of people in this country were living in Great Depression-like uh, situations. And we wanted to use this history and bring it to life to create that empathy for people listening. So this is the last example, and this is not my music, so I'm not gonna take credit for it. It's, um, we had a composer named Hanya Rani, who's Polish. Um, she's amazing, check her out. Uh, score this episode for us. So this is her music in this. I met a fellow on the corner of Wall Street who, from casual observance, would have been taken for an office worker or a dapper salesman with his Panama hat, his nice suit, and his sport shoes. 
After I introduced myself, he said he wasn't having much luck. I've been bumming them right and left since the morning rush, and I've only made 290. I thought that seemed like a good day's work at 50 cents an hour. Trouble with me is that they know me too well, and when they see me coming, they cross the street. It does give me pleasure, though, to bump some of those big financiers. But it seems to break their heart to Jalusa Dime. It is appalling to think that these women, sitting so listless in the room, may work as hard as it is possible for a human being to work, may labor night and day, wash streetcars from midnight to dawn, and offices in the early evening, scrubbing for 14 and 15 hours a day, sleeping only five hours or so, doing this their whole lives, and never earn one day of security having always before them the pit of the future. The endless labor, the bending back, the water-soaked hands, earning never more than a week's wages, never having in their hands more life than that. By the mid-1930s, more people were returning to work. But this didn't mean life was getting easier. When we come back, the bittersweet path to recovery. You can stop it there. Cool. Um, yeah, so that, the examples, the, the music there was released, and the sound design was supposed to like actually take you to what the experiences were of the people then. So that's the kind of more controversial point that we always make in these talks, but um, that's the that's what we're always happy to talk about. But that was basically uh, largely what we try to do the show. So with that, we have about 10 minutes left, so we'll just stop there. And uh, if you all have any questions, we can. Okay. Cool. Nice. Usually yeah. it's like everyone's afraid to ask questions, but not this crowd. Y'all ready? Hi. 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 Uh, I have a practical question. My producers spend a lot of time searching for the right music. I mean, to have the effects that you were talking about. Do you have any tips on how to organize or approach the sound library so that finding the right sound won't take an hour, but like much less? Um, I guess I have more experience searching because we have a sound library that has been built up from like Robinson's great music. And I've gotten pretty good at searching it when yeah. I want to score stuff. Very good, yes. And I feel like part of it is like evolve, continuing to evolve the categories. Um, so one of the things that like has been taking a long time, obviously, is like is organizing the library. Um, but thinking about like how you can maybe organize the same piece of music in different categories, because right, the same piece of music you might um, organize according. Maybe you'll say, okay, this is percussion, but it's also like the mood is, um, 
you know, energetic, um, but it also has, um, I don't know, uh, it also kind of has like a neutral tone, right? Mm -hmm. so, so we've gotten more, yeah, like putting them, exactly, like feeling comfortable putting them in various categories because I think then when you're going to search for it, it it's, you might, you know, in that moment be looking for something neutral, but oh, that's actually listed under percussion and then you might never encounter it, right? So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing that we're, uh, you know, it's a work in progress, but we're trying to get better at doing is documenting the things that we've used already so that we are aware of, like in a spreadsheet, being like, okay, we've already used this in like three episodes recently, like let's try to, for the sake of, you know, diversifying, like use other things. So that's also, you know, one way. But um, uh, I mean, just when I score, I like to have like an abundance of things that I'm kind of testing out as I'm going through and seeing how it's interacting with like the sound design and stuff. Um, and so that requires time, obviously. Um, but that's just, you know, one small tip, I guess. Uh, thank you, I really enjoyed your presentation. Um, do you have uh, particular composers that you go to if you want to convey a particular emotion or a composer that you really like um, that helps you get in the mindset for uh, finding the right music for a particular episode? So in terms of, uh, yeah, so, uh, I'm the composer for the show, but we both, I think, while we're writing, because we do all of it, right? We write, we produce, we score, we sound design. When we're writing, we both, I think, have our favorite composers, although I think we have a lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. So um, we really like Max Richter. We, of course... Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, all the classics. Hanya Rani, who you just heard. Mm -hmm. um, and that part of the reason we reached out to her because we love her composing and music so much, and she worked with us on that episode. But that's the mood of our show. That's the vibe of our show. It's, it's, uh, our show can be like serious and quite like moody, but, and then we really like Radiohead, which we did a whole episode with them, which was really cool. But we, so I think there's other yeah, ones. Yeah, I think, but I think in general, like one of the things we do encourage like other producers on the team to do is like, let's say they're not finding like the exact right song that they want in the sound library, just finding something that they're like listening to. Like actually I like, I think we both like to do this when we're writing, we like to listen to non-verbal um, music, right? Just like instrumental, because uh, that feels like in line with kind of whatever tone we're going for. And then either through the sound library or because we're lucky enough to have a composer in house, like we can sort of like figure out something that matches that. Um, but in general, I feel like it's really nice to be, even in the writing phase, thinking about like the musicality elements, um, because it goes back to that point about rhythm, right? Like you build in some of that rhythm into the writing and into how you're cutting the tape, right? Um, and also sometimes one thing that we try to do a lot is like the transitional kind of moments between scenes are often things that involve musicality, whether it's archival tape or sound design or music or a combination of all three. So it gives you a more creative place uh, to sort of build um, your episode. Yeah, absolutely. As a, a new podcaster, I have a, a new podcast. It's about six months old. Congratulations. Um, and I do uh, all of the script writing, I do the audio design, but I don't do the editing for my podcast. So what I'm finding that's really tough is that 
I go through and I have this picture of what I want for the sound, and then it's relaying that information to my editor to have him reconstruct what I'm picturing in my mind. And so I'm wondering if there's a better way of going about it, because it, it takes a lot of time, and then it's also kind of going back and forth trying to change things to get mm -hmm. it to where, you know, it is what I want. And so I'm wondering yeah. if there's a better way. It's tough for us to answer that because we do it, our, we, you know, we, we edit it. I guess you're talking editing meaning like cutting it, producing it, like an editor would for a film. So we kind of just, it comes out of our head and our imagination right onto the um, computer. But one suggestion I would have as a, as a composer who's worked with other people who like were looking for a particular sound, they're trying to tell me what they want, is um, try to find references, because Run just referred to this, try to find references from movies or from other podcasts. So if you can think about what you want it to sound like, and if there's something similar to that, that you can point to the editor and say, I want it to sound something like this. I think there's a lot of like, among artists, like a kind of a side eye at doing that. But I think if you're trying to get the job done, sometimes words aren't enough. Actually being able to show the sound of what you want to somebody else is really important. Like, for example, we did an episode about, we call it There Will Be Bananas. It is about this guy who started a banana. It's very, it's a long story, but it was modeled after the film There Will Be Blood by P.T. Anderson. And so we literally used that as the model. We were both like listening to the soundtrack, watching the movie, and we kind of use that as the, the vibe. So I think it's, what I'm trying to say is show examples of like what you want. Be very specific, not just with your words, but actually with the things you're playing for your editor. Gotcha. Yeah, Thank I you. would just add also, um, having a, like that storyboard process um, on the front end of things is helpful because you can, you know, you can like, you can more explicitly talk about like those kinds of things in that context beyond just sort of like who do we want to interview, what you know was good tape. You can really think about it, um, and that's a good place to be like, yeah, I want this scene to sort of like have you know. I remember there was an episode we were working on, and we were, I was like, I want like an Ocean's Eleven vibe in this scene, and yeah. like you know, like you know what that means, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like super quick hit, like go right. So um, for us, that's the language that works for us. Like it's a shared language where like. We love movies, but um, but it could be something else, right? It could be like if there's a shared language, if, like Ramtin said, podcasts or or whatever else. But when you said that to me, Ron, you sent me a YouTube clip of the actual. I think I thought I remember you doing this yeah, yeah. of the scene, and you were like, "I want the yeah, music to sound like this." It was also like an excuse to like. No, no, but you were like this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you're like this, and so when I went to write the music, I like yeah, knew exactly yeah. what she meant. Yeah. And I did it. So. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. How much time does it take? A couple more. Oh, we have. We got less seconds. than a minute, so let's do sure. it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll answer fast. Hi, I have a, um, I have a new podcast. I mean, like four episodes new podcast, and uh, and it's interviews. I mean, I I say something at the top, and then there's an interview. How would one use sound design? And in, in the, you know, does it take? Part of me feels like it would take away from the content. How do you use it to add to? And if you have any examples that you can say, listen to this, that, that would be helpful. Mm. How I built this is a show that we produced. So that's an interview show that incorporates music and sound design. And we kind of designed that way that show sounds. So that's a yeah. show I think. Yeah, and there's less like sound design, I would say, it's more, um, like, leans more heavily on, on 
um, only kind of music, um, but the rhythm and all of those kinds of principles, we applied a lot of the same principles there in terms of how we were kind of, the decisions around editing in terms of pacing and all of that, the musicality like in total of the, of the sort of listening experience I think is similar in some ways, um, even though it's such a different show. Thank you. I know there was one in the back. I just feel bad because I know folks in the back might. Yeah. We, we have like a, a minute. Okay. Well, we'll okay, be here. Cool, cool. If you all have questions, yeah, thank we'll be you so much. They're here. very strict here. So, so you thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you.